Welcome to season two of the Holistic Woman podcast. My name is Kate Payne. I am a women's health yoga therapist, trainer, and mentor with more than two decades of traversing the healthcare landscape. During this time, I have seen the detrimental impact of a one-size-fits-all model of care for women. In these podcast episodes, you'll find a collection of open and expansive conversations with teachers, therapists, and wellness practitioners, all with a shared vision for women's empowerment, whole body health, and healing. Together, we're dismantling outdated health norms and fostering a space where women can reclaim their health, voice, and individuality. Thank you for being here. In today's episode, I am in conversation with Dr. Amanda Waldick, the founder and director of Angia Acupuncture and Yoga, an integrative Chinese medicine practice that supports women through every phase of their lives. Amanda's approach is soul meets science, guiding her patients to ultimate health with whole body medicine. During our conversation, we explore the integration between East and West modalities, womb health and healing, women's cycles, and why it's so important in these modern times to be a voice for change. I hope you enjoy this episode. It has been one of my favorite to record. So welcome to the show, Amanda. I'm so excited to have you here. It has been, I feel like, a long time coming. I've admired and been inspired by your work from afar for many, many years. So it feels really apt, I guess, at this time that we find ourselves in globally to be having this conversation. So thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. I know I'm the same. I've been admiring your work from afar for a long time. You know, it's like when you're looking at other practitioners and you know, you're in awe of what they're doing and what they're bringing to the community. Um, and I know that you've always had a beautiful passion for women's health and for fertility and for yoga. And so, yeah, it's beautiful to see your gifts that you're bringing to the community. Thank you. I feel like there must be some kind of common thread in our genetic blueprint that allows us to really, because I know, you know, it's really important for you to be bridging the gap between East and West medicine and modalities and wellness, and also to be a voice and an advocate for for change as well in women's health. And, you know, I definitely share that. Can you speak about what brought you to the work that that you're currently doing in the world? So for people who, you know, I'm obviously very familiar with your work, but for those listeners who are perhaps not so familiar, how did you land yourself in this space and time? I think um, if we go back, trace back of what I've been in practice now for 16 years. So um, initially, like I always wanted to help people. And so I had started a two-year nursing degree once I'd finished school and I'd always, I'd played state league netball. And so had always had a deep love and passion for, for sport and for health. And so when I had my own healing crisis, I had a drug addiction um, through my teen, well, late teens into early twenties. And so anyway, basically that ended up sparking a huge, you know, catalyst for change for me. And so mm. um, I was really quite unwell. I had drug-induced psychosis and mm. also was very, very um, skinny. Like I think I remember back I was 54 kilos, so wow. being 177 centimetres, so really unwell physically, mentally and emotionally. Um, and so I went and saw a Chinese medicine doctor and that was just it. That was the spark. And so 
as full circle comes, he ended up being one of my lecturers at uni. And so I basically decided this is what I wanted to do. I fell mm -hmm. in love with the whole philosophy of Chinese medicine. Mm -hmm. And I guess through my own, I think, you know, when we have a healing crisis or a healing journey, it then sparks us to want to look at things differently. And maybe also to, for our things of what we want to bring to the world as well. And so that basically was my gift for, for change. And so went and studied Chinese medicine, um, did four years of herbal medicine and then two years of acupuncture, mm. went, lived in China and then came back and set up my practice in 2007. Yeah. Wow. I guess things would have changed so much from back then as well. Like I remember what I was doing in 20, you know, um, 2007 <laughs> and, and, and healing modalities like acupuncture were fairly few and far between. It was still seen as quite an alternative form of medicine. I feel like now it's much more mainstream. How have you yeah. seen that evolution shift and change over that time? I mean, it's such a great point too, I think, because it's even with yoga. I mean, back then it was like, I was, there was a Stunga and Bikram. And so I fell into the Bikram category. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, then it's like, we've seen so much more growth of different like forms of yoga, vinyasa and Hatha. And so I guess it's the same with acupuncture. I think that yes, there's been more of a um, evolution because now it's like we have more evidence-based medicine. And I think mm -hmm. that's always been the hardest thing for us is really having that push of being able to get it to kind of reach mainstream. So people don't think it's just hocus pocus or woo woo medicine. And I guess that's the difference is that it's had thousands of years of anecdotal evidence. Um, and it's also too, like the language that they were speaking was different to what we speak in the West, but it's very much similar. Like hot would mean inflammation, cold would mean contraction. It's just that you know, with those different language barriers, that was never able to be fully converted. And so, you know, we're so, um, I think in the West, everything has to have a reason or an, a science behind it. Um, so it's great to see now that science, as we know, right, from even studying the ancient texts and whatnot, is that it's finally starting to to meet the science, oh, the science is finally starting to meet these, you know, beautiful ancient practices. Yeah, I and science, as we both know, is constantly evolving as well. So something that they discover today may be proven incorrect, or you know, the sh it may shift in our understanding of it in five, ten years' time as well. But I think, like you say, in the West, we take science as gospel. It's like it must be truth, and it's it's firm. But science, in and of itself, is a constant evolution, as are practices and and all of those pieces as well. Yeah, I, I agree. Like we're, con I mean, consciousness is evolving. Yeah. We're evolving. And I think it's like everything is just as in this constant evolution. Um, and so the medicine of what, it, and, but I, what I love is that, yes, the medicine from thousands of years ago is still practiced in a way that it is still held in that integrity. And it's the same mm. with yoga practice as well, isn't it? That mm. what we learn and the breath work and everything is that we're still mm. being able to do these practices from thousands of years ago, but they're just now done in the, you know, in a modern way, or we all coin them in a different way, but mm. essentially we're still practicing what was done thousands of years ago. <laughs> exactly. And I think with, when you look at like the science and the research papers on yoga, often it's not 
it doesn't specify the type of yoga often that the individual groups, control groups, et cetera, were actually practicing. It just says, you know, 40 minutes of yoga for, you know, 10 minutes of meditation, et cetera. So really, I think by that, I just classify that, you know, really any yoga of any shape or form done with intention and done with an understanding of the therapeutic application is going to be benefit for every single person on this planet, right? Oh, a hundred percent. You're so right there because it is, everything is intention. Mm, Yeah. How did you transition your work when you first started working as a TCM practitioner? Was it women? Did you always have a a focus and an interest in women's health or did that evolve over time? That had evolved over time. So um, I also was doing um, prior when I was in China, before China, I was doing half Ironman. So I really was into that whole sports thing. So when I went to China and studied in the various hospitals, I thought when I'd come back and set up my practice that I would actually work doing sports medicine. But of course, as the universe has it, <laughs> women started appearing at the at my door. And so I was like, okay, man, so there's something in this. And mm. I think for me, it's been able to hold space in a way that is deeply compassionate and understanding and without judgment mm-hmm. for them to be able to go because I've been in those depths of absolute despair. And I think very much the fertility journey can be mm-hmm. very much like that of where, you know, we're really surfacing these deep vulnerabilities for the need to want to be a mother. Mm. And so it's then giving women those um, tools to be able to know that, yes, there is a way. Um, Mm. And then by, because for a lot of us, it really is just, it's changing our practices. It's changing the way that we live of coming back to being a woman because we're living in very much a yang dominated male, you know, Mm. environment where everything it's not just we don't have those big um, communities anymore and the families where you know the women are working together in tribes and we're sharing all our stories like the red tent and so Mm. we're doing much very very much things on our own and then you know coupled with this fast-paced lifestyle is that we've really kind of disconnected so much from ourselves. So it's really bringing women back home into their bodies to understand their inner rhythms and working. So then it's like, yes, okay, I can land in my body. Um, Mm -hmm. And then that whole preparation sort of into, into motherhood. Mm. Do you find, because, you know, a big part of your work is working with women looking to conceive, but obviously with this holistic lens of TCM and then your yoga work and your womb healing work and all of these kind of the energetics, do you find that in your work, the vast majority of women have something uh, something medically happening um, or is it a combination of both? Yeah, good question. Uh, I think... I guess what I love is the integration of both East and West. And I think that's mm-hmm. where we can gain so much insight um, and so much benefit too, mm-hmm. is that coming from that lens of being able to look at everything from a Western perspective and then being able to translate that into energetics and Eastern medicine mm-hmm. um, is that, yes, there is a, there is hormonal imbalance, mm-hmm. uh, which can be reflected in blood work. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there's also too, there is energetic components of, mm-hmm. of as well, which, um, you know, I think that's where the, that's where the magic happens. 
Yeah, yeah. I went recently to have a skin treatment. I wanted to get a skin assessment and then have a treatment directly following. And the woman, she was really lovely, but pretty much straight away, she sort of dove into, before I'd even had the actual assessment of the skin, she kind of dove into, you know, these are the options that we offer here at this clinic. You know, we do skin needling and we do LED lighting and some of these other things. And she showed me a picture of the skin needling And I was like, oh, hell no. Like there is no way that I'm getting that done. It just looking at it, it looks awful. It looks, um, it looks invasive. It looks um, like it would bring up. So, and I appreciate that the results are probably wonderful and fantastic. But for me, I was like, I just don't think I could, there's just everything in my body just says no to that particular treatment. But then she was talking about how facials can be good, but also they can be a little bit fluffy. And I was like, yes, but if you understand the energetics, the way that I see the energetics, you would know that a a nourishing facial once a month would bring me so much joy that I would carry that joy in my appearance probably for the next month before I returned. And I think we just, because we don't have the science for, you know, for a lot of the energetic pieces, it really is anecdotal evidence. um, And just listening to women's experiences of that, I think it just makes such a difference it could be the same as coming and seeing a practitioner who offers tcm so coming and seeing someone like you and then going and seeing another tcm practitioner and having a completely different experience but the actual treatment provided was the same yes yeah (laughs) no you're so right that's right because it is i mean we are sight cell um we are our five senses and Mm -hmm. so i think that you know, it does when we go, when we have an experience with a practitioner is it the way that we leave when we feel right. Or when we feel, when we leave, mm-hmm. it's like mm-hmm. we walk away and we can actually feel a change in our nervous system. I think mm-hmm. that's what's beautiful about the acupuncture. As I was saying to um, a girlfriend yesterday, it was like um, acupuncture is like taking a Panadol right Mm -hmm. so it's 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 immediate you can feel its effects immediately but with Chinese herbal medicine it's something where we're laying down the foundations and what we're trying to achieve is a bit of a long-term goal but Mm -hmm. it takes time for that synergy of that medicine to be able to work in the body because when we Mm -hmm. put a needle in it's like we are experiencing a response it's like a neurotransmitter so we're changing that signal in the body to have a therapeutic output Mm. therapeutic benefit because of course each acupuncture point has its own specific just like muscles do right so we know that the hand needs to move to the left or the right so we can pick Mm. up things it's Mm. exactly the same if we put a needle into the womb below our belly button what Mm. we're trying to achieve there is we're trying to achieve a response where we're getting the blood to flow to nourish the womb Mm. space Mm -hmm. or we're trying to increase the follicles to grow so we can have a regular ovulation. So Mm -hmm. it's very much the same. Um, It's just that, yes, it comes from that energetic component. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think where, as a society, when we talked about that fast pace of life, we also that instant gratification and, and particularly with, you know, mainstream Western pharmaceuticals, we expect things to happen 
immediately or within a day or two you know we expect to see a change if you've got some kind of infection and you take an antibiotic you know you expect to see a shift in symptoms within 24 to 48 hours um but when we work with yoga in a therapeutic setting we work with tcm we work with the breath we work with meditation herbal support anything um that that falls outside of that you know western pharmaceutical framework it does take time and i think there's a probably i know definitely when i work with women from a yoga therapy perspective there's there's a re-education as well of patience and time and observation and noticing the subtlety of difference and change in the body that it won't be this immediate instantaneous you know you'll start to feel like 100 percent like yourself in two days of you know meditation practice do you find the same with <laughs> with your work i agree with you 100 is that like um joseph score used the beautiful thing like we are an uber eat society so we're so used mm. to that instant gratification um and you it is you're right in the terms of the sense of like the subtle body is that mm. we're so used to having things that instant um change of noticing a change in symptoms and when that doesn't happen we're like but hang on is it actually even working mm. and i think that's what's beautiful about like you know when we do breath work is that breath work can just drop us in immediately and mm. so it's like and i feel like breath work is some of the quickest access in to be able to to create create that change and you can feel that but then like you were saying with the acupuncture it is one of those things that um working with women it's teaching them the subtleties mm. that they can start to notice of really accessing that yin part of ourselves mm -hmm. so we can start to feel feel those changes and then how we operate how we operate within our world Mm. So it's that real, how it sort of just has that ripple effect of what we do internally then ripples out externally into the world. So mm. we might find that we're not as, you know, emotionally charged or we're not as reactive. And then when we come into, you know, our next menstrual cycle that we've noticed subtle changes within the way that our blood flows. So mm. it does, it works physically, mentally, emotionally, spiritually, um, <laughs> And so, I mean, it's quite amazing when you think how far and wide those effects are for both of us working in, you know, yoga, therapeutic mm -hmm. setting, and then Chinese medicine. Um, but that's the beauty of these medicines is that they have very similar, like we all carry tools that are so similar. They just work in different ways, but still achieve, wanting to achieve the same results. Yeah, absolutely. An aspect of the TCM teachings that I I use frequently is when I am sharing about the menstrual cycle and educating about the menstrual cycle and even though you know the TCM per se is not you know from the yogic teachings it's the one that makes the most sense to me from a practical perspective as well as from an intuitive energetic perspective as well i haven't quite found the ayurvedic model of the menstrual cycle still aligns for me but the tcm one is the one that really kind of like a light had that light bulb moment when i was first learning about it um thinking this actually really 
resonates and actually makes sense for me and then observing those own changes and shifts between the yin and the yang in my body as I moved through my cycle it was like oh yes okay I see I see I see um, and then being able to overlay the yoga therapy over the top of that particularly bringing more movement into menstruation so bringing more movement my i love myofascial release um and so bringing more you know more gentle movement and myofascial release to do exactly what you were saying with the acupuncture bringing more blood flow into the wound space was a game changer for me and a game changer for so many women that i've worked with and every time i teach it in a teacher training women are just like how did we not ever know this how will we yes. never shared this information before? So there's a huge education piece that, you know, I feel like if you can be a voice for change and there is an opportunity to educate women um, whilst we, you know, continually educate ourselves in our own bodies and our own experience, I think we just, we just must. Oh, and women are thirsty for knowledge too, mm-hmm. because I mean, these are the things that we weren't taught when we're all growing up. We weren't, weren't taught even the basics of our menstrual cycle. And so, for a lot of us, we've had to do a lot of soul searching and education ourselves around that. And so when we have, you know, beautiful women that um, that have lived it and to be able to share that, I think it's all the younger women, I feel like for our daughters, they're in mm. such a better position than we were because they will have that understanding and knowledge of, you know, what it, what the sacredness of what it is to be a woman and then the mm. power in our menstrual cycle and and what that actually means and the gifts that that carries and mm. not working through when you are bleeding and just constantly in that push, mm. push, push, pull cycle. Whereas they'll mm. be actually, no, I'm going to rest. Mm. I am bleeding. Um, and so that's something that we are really encouraging at home mm. with our daughter, Winnie. It's like the importance of rest because yeah. That was something that I was never taught as a young woman. And Mm. so that has been a battle for me in my whole life. It's like, you know, I would find self-worth in having to, to, to hustle. It was like to, Mm. you know, always be doing. And so in that you end up overexerting yourself um, Mm. and you leave yourself completely depleted. And I think, Mm. and so many women we see in clinic that have been through that same process and then realizing, oh, actually I Mm. do have just to rest yeah yeah it's a huge one and everything now that we understand about the impact of that on the nervous system and the interconnectedness between the nervous system and the womb space and our menstrual cycle is you know it's profound information when we as women first learn it and then start to embody it and notice how it impacts our lives. And like you say, then being able to educate our children. My son said something to me yesterday about, um, that's right. He was talking about, he's like, if, when I'm older, if I get to be a spy, he's like, you know, I'll be able to like open my hands like this and then like a laser will shoot out. Cause I'll have some sort of device connected to my wrist and I said how will it know that you and he said it'll be attuned to your nervous system mum and I was like even him at nine has this understanding of a nervous system response so when he gets frustrated what's happening in his body you know we've spoken to him and we constantly speak about these you know these responses that our body that our body has and then the choices that we have um, in those moments through different practices of rest and you know listening to your body and all of those like all of the things that we both teach oh 
I know how good, right? How good for our beautiful boys and girls. Mm, yeah, Have absolutely. Awareness. Mm, mm. I want to talk about um, womb healing. And I yes. want to talk about it in two kind of aspects. I know you've just recently completed um, Jane Hardwick Collins. Yes. yes. I'd love you to talk about that. And, and, and womb healing in the context of the, you know, the differences between womb health and womb healing. And then I want to kind of move into this concept of global womb healing. Yeah. I mean, it's such a, it's such a big one. Um, and I mean, as if we take the word om and we look at the word womb, it holds the word womb holds the word om and om in sanskrit is mother creation and so it as we know it is our beautiful creative space not only where our creativity is birthed and born from as women but it's also to the space where we birth our children and i mean chinese medicine is so beautiful because this front line of our body which is our chakras in um, in chinese medicine is the conception vessel so it's like we come in and this is also the sea of yin as well. Mm. So it's like everything, it, we take in everything through our eyes and our perception and then we take it in and then we create. And then from that creation, then we come out into birth. And I mean, mm. the whole menstrual cycle is that beautiful cycle of birth, death, creation. Mm. And so, I mean, womb healings, are, I guess womb healings are so different in the sense to, yes, womb health. Um mm. A lot of the practitioners um, back in the day that were Chinese medicine practitioners were actually shamanic practitioners. Mm. So this is just something that has really developed over the years of practice mm. of really just feeling into people's bodies and then having that, I guess, the magic of, and it's not even really magic, it's just being in a space where I'm able to channel and connect into mm spirit mm -hmm. um and then of course i've done further courses to really kind of develop that intuition even further mm -hmm. um and so the womb healings are, are really i guess in a way of coming in and because the thing is as women i feel as though women and womb holders is that we are holding so much trauma it's so mm -hmm. much ancestral trauma and i think mm -hmm. If you look at 176 million or 200 million people worldwide now have endometriosis, mm. is that um, there was so much oppression and suppression. And because mm. we have just lived in war-torn zones for hundreds and thousands of years, like we've never felt 100% fully safe. And I think mm. Jane Hardwick Collins talks about her story of how the women were the landowners and then the children mm. and the um, then took over the land from their mothers. It was that was gifted down. And so they became mm. the custodians. And then when the Bronze Age came in, that's when all the women were the heretics. So the witches and the and the midwives. And so that's when we were all hung and murdered. And I think that we're still holding that oppression and anger mm and trauma um and so now it's like we're in a generation mm. where we actually can use our voices and speak and so our wombs are speaking in just such anger and frustration because women need to be heard and we're living in a society where there's so much suppression and more patriarchy that we're not getting to to live to our full expression of ourselves and so everything's just pushed down, pushed down, pushed down. Mm. And because it's our creative space, 
Um, and it's like everything mm. that's being fed to us is also it, everything's so toxic and poison. And then the pill suppresses suppresses our natural biological feedback is that our whole feedback as women is just being like shut down. And mm. so then everything holds in the womb because we go through these huge rites of passage from puberty of when we're coming into a woman and we don't know how to be women and then and then if we don't understand our menstrual cycle as a teenager that then feeds mm. into how do we understand our body when I'm trying to create a baby and create yeah. life mm. and then it's like if I don't understand that well how's birth going to be and because yeah. we're also then fed all these stories around fear and these and, and everyone wants to share their terrible birth story mm. um and then it's like from that fear then um you know that's fed in and then how's our birth going to be and then the trauma from that of that impact into our children mm. and then into our postpartum journey so everything just has that continual snowball effect but mm. it's our wombs that are holding all of this for us it's our mm. portal into this amazing you know life and life force this alchemy mm. center that is um at this point in time really just you know it's struggling they're struggling Mm. um and so the womb healings are very much about giving women that power back and pulling mm. out the way that I guess um so I yeah go in and I use moxer and it's mm. like we draw things out through the womb um mm. we revisit inner child work mm. uh, we go back to past lives where there's been souls that have been fractured and mm. what I've seen is that we continually still play out these um, patterns in our lives from mm. what happened hundreds of years ago it's just that it's playing out in a different way yeah. and the blood is memory right so mm. every time we're bleeding we're remembering our body's trying to teach us to remember and our membranes and so we're having these visceral experiences and the body is still holding trauma mm. hundreds of years ago mm. um, and so then it's revisiting that and bringing the soul back into its whole soul self mm. um, and doing then womb blessings. Yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's oh, quite wild. Isn't it? And there's so many layers to it. Like hearing you speak about all of the different layers is just, you know, there's, it's not, again, it just that reflection of it not being something that is an overnight fix that it's, it could be a lifetime of practice and journey. One woman, right? It's, it's, it's big, it's big, it's, it's really big. But also, I think, you know, it's, it's so worth it. It's so worth the reward of actually experiencing the journey of it with no, I guess, perceived outcome in, in mind um i think that's important for women to not be holding on to some potential goal or outcome per se but to really you know in my experience of womb healing it's very much to to enjoy and relish in the experience of the healing and the and the the, the things that come forth those beautiful gifts right of the of the transformation mm. um of when we do go into the depths of that portal mm. and then yes and whilst we can be having those deep deep challenges is that mm. 
the like in the muddy lotus we are the mud mm. and the lotus rises and how beautiful those journeys are of when we get those little pockets of gold mm. yes oh, oh. they're the best <laughs> yes i experience yeah, yeah i experience these in moments of of deep rest like a shavasana or like a yoga nidra or at the end of a breath practice that moment of of stillness where there is this field of intelligence that you are able to really be part of that is that is us but it's 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 beyond our it's beyond our accessibility in our everyday as we're moving around like you know having a very human experience but there's something that's just so potently grounded and homey about that space for me and I think yes you're so right because it's like being able to tap into that just field of intelligence isn't it that we don't normally get to access because we are living our you know modern lives but in that moment you're able to you know drop in and access this you know vast intelligence yeah like oh what just to have those you know listening deeply mm. and then to have those answers yeah. um and that was I mean that was like when I went on my vision quest this year and mm. picked the site and camped in nature for three days and I was like when as women do we yeah. ever get to just switch off from our lives wow and be in this environment where you are part of mm. this living ecosystem mm. and to have, you know, it, I was, it was just the most profound experience mm. and I would recommend it to anyone um, because creating that container of setting up a medicine wheel in nature, mm. but then having this reciprocal like um, relationship with the environment around mm. you. And then what drops in, it mm. was just, oh, <laughs> yes. healing, so much healing from just resting and listening mm. and talking to the trees and talking to the animals and being like, this is amazing. Like, imagine if we could do this like every day. Yeah. Wow. Like how, how we would heal the world. Yeah. Yeah, I remember hearing a lady, I read a, um, I love reading books about plants, like you know, like botanists writing about the energetics of plants. And there was a lady, I can't recall the book, but she said, if you ever feel disconnected from self, plant a garden and care for a garden. And I was like, oh, there's so much truth in that because when you tend to a garden, you see this abundance right before your eyes from that seed of potentiality when you first plant the seeds and then as they grow you know into saplings and then they grow into a plant and then there's potentially flower or fruit and you're tending to that and you are in relationship with that garden it's just that reminded me of that as you were speaking about this vision quest which is relationship to ourselves, right? Because um, if we can't do it ourselves, at least then that way it's like we can start with doing that and tending to something mm. else because mm. then that teaches us that reciprocal environment of like, yes, how I tend to their external, internal, mm. and then how that um, we can then relate that internally to ourselves and yeah. then maybe change that, you know, relationship with with self. Mm, absolutely were you solo on this 
in this vision quest are you completely alone is it like your own version of that show alone (laughs) Um, it's it's really beautiful because um the way that they do it the, the the space that they hold so we all go down to um we had a base and so okay. we set up base and we all um you know prepare for our vision quest a few days before and then we get ready and then we embark and so we go and choose our site and right. um and then we ask the 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 site the trees if we have permission to be there yeah um and then basically we take tents so a lot of the males that do it they won't take tents they'll be out in nature but it's really about nurturing so it's nurturing ourselves because as women we're such givers Mm. so it's really about nurturing self so then you can have this incredible experience Mm. where you're just in this environment that is harsh where Mm. you have a tent you have cover you are protected Mm. you are safe yeah. Because I think also too, where there has been a lot of trauma for, mm. for and whether we're carrying that body of trauma as well, um, mm. is that our nervous system then can't be able to, you know, switch off and feel safe and protected. And because I had, mm. had been sexually, you know, I, I was raped when I was younger, mm. for me, it was very much um, being safe in my environment. And mm. so grandmother tree was saying was telling me it's okay it's safe Mm -hmm. you are safe and then feeling that actually Mm -hmm. palpably being able to feel that it was like so calm and I felt so protected and she was like man's you don't need to fight anymore you can let down your pride um because it was just so powerful and Mm -hmm. I was yeah it was like a rebirth for me in every sense um because Mm -hmm. that had played out in my life and the way that I had been, um, yes. So it was just really um, a really deeply, deeply healing experience that just came mm. at the right time. Wow, I have full body goosebumps. Like it's just incredible. It was reminding me of watching the Alone Show. I don't know if you've ever watched any of oh, this. It's one of my favorite shows. It's yeah. one of my favorite too. I've only just gotten into it, but I, my husband said to me a couple of nights ago, "Would you do it?" And I was like no there's just no way i think i would be as you just described in those first few days of building a shelter to just be underneath the tarp i would be terrified absolutely terrified of being out alone in the dark and also having um like different animals and things around that i can't see and there is a collective trauma of feeling unsafe my sense is for women globally um that we because there's nothing has specifically happened in my life that has occurred in the darkness or anything there should be no reason why i would be um cautious of the dark and yet there is this very visceral panic that occurs if i am somewhere alone and it is that it's darkness Oh, completely. You're so mm. right. I think there's definitely a collective global feeling mm. um, that we are like afraid, can be afraid of the dark and are afraid of the dark. And yeah. I experienced that. I mean, I was abducted mm. out of my room in Japan and I woke up with a Japanese man standing over me. And so <gasps> I was drugged and I had no, I had no memory of it until before I went on the camp. For the vision oh quest, I saw God. what had happened. 
And so how it all played out was I was on a, I was near a public path. And of course there was someone that walked past that triggered, that looked dodgy, that triggered this deep, deep fear in me. And I wrote my husband a note and I was like, if I go missing tonight, this is what's happened. Yes. This is what it looks like. Yes. 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 <laughs> that night, grandmother tree was like, you need to sleep with your tent open. Wow. And so then it was like, it was just, it was so beautiful how it healed that part of me. Mm. That was so, I was so scared of the dark. Yeah. Lying there and then having to listen and listening to the animals and listening Mm. to the possums and just going, man, it's okay. You're safe now. This is not part of your story anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. (laughs) What an incredible experience. What an incredible experience. It really was. And I think, you know, it's like you were saying before, of just being out in nature, it is so deeply healing. And when we have the time and the space um, to be in that environment, even just going and grounding our feet, it just Mm. changes. It changes our frequency. Mm. It changes the way that we feel. We can ground our energy and Mm. it is our nature. Yeah. Yeah. just separated that. We live in a house now. And so, Yeah. 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 Yeah, yeah. And the house feels safe, you know. Yes. Um, I think that's uh, you know, there's there's a lot of modern aspects of life that are very supportive of women feeling safe and supportive. Um, but then there's a lot of other aspects that, you know, that we've we've that have caused us to lose that deep connection with nature and seeing ourselves as something separate to nature rather than part of nature but just in a different form yeah yes Mm. when did you see in your work or your own life that society was sort of you know we are in the midst of a of a women's health crisis across the board not just physical health you know we know like you mentioned endometriosis earlier in the conversation, you know, infertility, um, there's a full range of menstrual health and women's health conditions. Um, A lot of anxiety, a lot of, you know, the mental health crisis continues to rise. And yet we have access to so many healing modalities and education and information. And yet we continue to see this rise in statistics. What do you think that is from? Why, when we have access to all of this information, are we continuing to see this women's health crisis escalate? I mean, it's just, I guess it's also too, because we haven't been seen, we're not heard. Mm. And it, Mm. it may just be as simple as when you go to your GP and you say, I'm experiencing this, but then yeah. you're actually not heard in yeah. that process. And so it's just, I feel as though it has that domino effect. And, you know, all the studies that they have done have always been for males. So there's never mm. really been enough research and there's still not enough research invested in trying to understand, you know, hormonal conditions and what mm. are the root causes of those. And so mm. I think it's just, it ends up becoming this huge snowball effect and, we're nowhere closer to to resolving it. And so I think it has to start on that micro level of mm. you know, a radical self-responsibility of like, mm. okay, if I can't, if I can't get the information that I need, where can I find that? And I think, you know, women, when we come together, 
uh, magic happens. And I guess in the sense that social media has been amazing in the sense that it's given us access to each other. It's been able to create communities and forums and, you know, through shared stories and sharing our experiences is that it's relatable. Like we're all going through something similar. And so then it's been able to go, okay, find your community where you can actually have the yeah. right support and the right and and access to to what you need. Um, you know, I'd, it'd be awesome one day, wouldn't it, Kate, if we could actually, you know, <laughs> be able to to heal. Uh, like it's just it's such big, deep, deep work. And I think yeah. that when we do the work ourselves, is that we are the ripple um, yeah. and then has that beautiful flow on effect into other women in our lives, our sisters, our mothers, you know, our ancestors. So it heals yeah. many levels and layers. Yeah, I truly believe that. I, When I think about doing the work yourself for your own liberation and connecting with your own sovereignty and your own body autonomy as a woman, it, you find also this inner strength that actually allows you to be a voice for change. And I think the more women who can cultivate that voice for change and not see their experience as in isolation to themselves. And I think that's when we start to tap into this collective womb healing that needs to take place on the planet yes. because for us to see, you know, and I think it is slowly changing. I think really, you know, in our lifetime, really from COVID times through to now, there really has been a lot more voice for change and social change in particular, and women really seeing themselves through the eyes of women that they've never met before, who are having a completely different physical reality to them and yet they see them one and the same and I think that's really creating some of that ripple effect of people saying well hang on a minute you know yes I'm not being directly affected by what's happening to this woman over the other side of the world but it actually is directly affecting me yes yeah a hundred percent and my family and the way we live our life day to day right and it creates that awareness doesn't it yeah just that little spark that then can create change and I think I mean what's happening in the world right now we are all we're all feeling that and we all want to be able to you know create yeah. peace and harmony and create that change yeah absolutely absolutely what have you got happening at the moment what have you got on your on your radar how can people come to work with you I know we could continue this conversation <laughs> You know, indefinitely, I feel like we'll have many more conversations on the podcast, but I am mindful of time. And I, I think what we've shared and spoken to so far will give women listening huge moments of just deep contemplation. Um, actually, before we wrap up, I wanted to ask you about yoga, because yes. obviously, you know, like I love yoga. You love yoga. We have a shared yoga. love of yoga. <laughs> So before we wrap up, actually, I'd love to speak to yoga in your work, how you're using yoga as its own healing modality, because I, 
I definitely know in the West, we have moved away from the essence of what yoga is. So practice, a lot of mainstream practice now is too hot, too fast, too stimulating for the nervous system and particularly for women. How are you using yoga as a healing modality in your own work and life? Uh, So beautiful question because I have, when I stepped away from my yoga practice, I felt like that's when everything had started to really crumble for me in the sense of like physically as well as well as with my health and so that is the one thing that is a stable practice um that I need to be doing at least three times a week and so incorporating that into work um will be generally like supporting women through their menstrual health and so Mm -hmm. it's just coming into showing just simple beautiful stretches that they can Mm -hmm. do that's going to help to nourish their nervous system when they're in their winter phase Mm -hmm. of slowing down and then when we're coming into birth of showing them specific yoga poses that Mm -hmm. are you know that you can do during birth that are active birth poses Mm. Um, and then of course into the postpartum period too so it's really just showing like using it in a way um, and doing breath work as well so when Mm. clients are on the table doing like a lot a lot of microcosmic orbit breath Mm. retention breath um, so then that way it's like we can actually come in and access their nervous system in a way that they can take those tools and then practice those tools at home Um, and I mean it would be awesome if we could uh, you know it'd be great to have a yoga studio which is what we did have in Melbourne um, Mm -hmm. but sadly it closed down was you know teaching teaching women what you're doing of like how to move specifically through Mm -hmm the menstrual cycle and the different phases because I mean as we know yoga was developed for males and it's such a different experience um like if you go from a vinyasa Mm. then to a yin and then you ask your body what and it's really just tapping into I guess what your body needs right um and that deep listening because it'll tell you and Mm. there's such different practices but they're also they're also relevant for where you might be in your in your t- in your season of your life. Yeah. When we're older, I'm a, I mean, I still love my vinyasa practice because mm. I just I love to get in there. It's it's a beautiful access in for me. I love mm. to shift that, I guess, coming from having done half Ironman. Mm. But I still also really just appreciate of being in a beautiful yin practice mm. um, of giving feeding my body what it means yeah yeah it's using yoga at the right time for the right purpose the same as you would prescribe herbal support or the type of you know where the acupuncture points need to be for a particular woman on the table it's like what does she need in this moment meeting the need of the hour as one of my teachers would always say knowing that you know what do you need in this moment? Do you need a restorative practice? Do you need something that's more vigorous and like a vinyasa practice? Do you need just, you know, a yin practice? Do you need some myofascial release? Do you need some breath? Do you need a combination of all of those things? But it's about being able to, I guess, educate women that they understand and can attune to their body to that degree to know what's then required and then they can make that choice. Yes. Yeah, that is just, it is beautiful in that way, right? And it's bringing women back home into their bodies. So then they have that ability to be able to tune in and know, okay, what is it that I need in this moment? 
Yeah. That's the beautiful, I feel like, the gift of bringing that connection back, of women Mm. connecting back into themselves. So it's like, okay, what do I need right now in this moment? Mm. And having Mm. those tools to be able to do that. And I think Mm. that's what's so beautiful about yoga and I mean, Chinese medicine and herbal medicine, but yoga is something that once you have that, once you've learned that, you've got mm. that for life. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Imagine you've got this massive toolkit. It's just like, you just like open up your cabinet and you're like, which like which practice should I choose today? Which one do I need? Right? Practicing. I, hope you, I reckon we'll still be practicing when we're, I'm definitely going to be practicing still when I'm 90. Oh, same. Yeah. yeah. I, I will sure. not stop. No. For sure. I hope that I'm like chanting mantra, like as I'm like going out of this body, right? Yeah. That's my that's my goal. Like, <laughs> and I can't wait to I go to live till I'm 111. <laughs> I'll see you there. <laughs> well, like, even just recently, like being, I was going to Kitan. Like I, that accesses my heart, and I am literally, I can't stop crying. It's like, you know, when you see people and they've gone to church and they're like, yes, Angelus and the heart, oh, that is like me and Bhakti. I'm like, yes, yes, I'm the same. It like awakens something within you that yeah. is just, that oh. is so knowing. It's so knowing. I, I, it's like the thread that actually passes through every single one of our genetic blueprints. It and connects like, us to the divine. Oh, like I, that just, yeah. oh. Yeah, sound is just so potent. I listened to an incredible podcast um, a couple of weeks ago about a man that is a sound researcher and he was moving, he goes to different places of the world and he was in Egypt at one point and he was, um, they were using sound in some of the temples and some of the pyramids and what was appearing in light was hieroglyphics. Oh, wow. Just incredible. Oh, um, that is amazing. Yeah, and he was speaking about the different, you know, sound and vibration of the universe and using sound in healing and how they're using it therapeutically, and it was just incredible. And so when I think about mantra and kirtan and, you know, I'm like, of course, right? <laughs> like if you've, if you've experienced it yourself, you know you've had that feeling, you know what it evokes within you and so then when you see the science I'm like of course right yeah we're like of course yeah (laughs) exactly okay well now let's finish with what what you've got coming up what you've got have your Instagram is you know a wealth of information and wisdom but have you got anything coming up any programs or anything that you might be running or how can women come and and have a a session with you directly um, so you can find us at our website, which is um, angia.com.au. No, this year was just about really um, pulling right back um, mm-hmm. and doing just doing me this year. Yeah. Um, so next year, yes, there'll be courses that will be running. Um, mm-hmm. And also, too, we're redoing our website. Um, and in the process of actually putting together um, a fertility program, an online fertility program. Um, which will then go into um, birth and postpartum. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Well, let us know when you've Thanks. got that live so we can share that one far and wide. Thanks, yeah. honey. Incredible. Thanks, Thank, you. Thank you so much for your time and Thank your you. wisdom. 
So appreciate it. Thanks. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Holistic Woman podcast. If you enjoyed this episode and have some space, please leave me a five-star review. Every review or rating supports these conversations reaching the ears and hearts of more women. To connect, you can find me at Kate Payne Yoga on Instagram or higherstatesofyoga.com.